Hey there, everybody. Well, welcome back to our summer single-serving sermon series. So glad to be preaching uh, again with, uh, for you today. Um, and this morning, uh, we have another unrelated uh, message. You know, it's been funny. We've said these are going to be one-offs, and um, God has his way of weaving things together. Um, and so today, I'm excited to unpack the scripture with you um, this morning. Today, we're going to be reading from 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, and it's a story of uh, Elijah uh, and Obadiah. And uh, some of you that uh, are familiar with the church and maybe went to Sunday school at some point in your life or uh, are a student of the Bible and have read it through, you'll know these chapters fairly well because there is a major um, confrontation that takes place between Elijah and uh, these prophets of Baal, which was a, a foreign god the god of the storms and tornadoes and this sort of thing. Um, and so there's a showdown between Elijah and the remaining prophets of God and these prophets of Baal that takes place on Mount Carmel. Well, the, the passage of scripture we're going to read today is just before that. And it has to do with Elijah and another follower of God, Obadiah. So here's what the Bible says. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go show yourself to Ahab. Ahab was the king at the time, the king uh, in Israel. And I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now, there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel had cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And as Obadiah was on his way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, it's you, Elijah, my Lord. And he said to him, it is I. Go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, how have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not, sent to, has not sent to seek you. And when they would say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they would not be found uh, by you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, fear the Lord and have feared him since my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets the Lord, of the Lord? How I hid them, a uh, hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. So we pray today. God, we uh, thank you that your word brings life to us. And, and we pray today that as we think about this passage and, and uh, a few others, Lord, that you would uh, illuminate your word to us by the power of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come wherever we are today, uh, from wherever we're listening or watching this message, um, that you would come and illuminate your word to us, that you would come and speak words of life to us. We're listening for your voice today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So our topic today, risk and renewal. You know, renewal is a really interesting word um, because it predicates itself on something being over, 
something being done with or depleted. Um, so, you know, we, we come to the place sometimes where we have to renew permits. Hey, FYI, this is a public service announcement. Check your plates. Do you need to uh, renew your vehicle permits? We've got to renew permits at times. Sometimes we have to uh, renew a lease because it's come to the end of its term, right? And so we renew that if we want to. Sometimes we don't. Um, we renew things once they are uh, depleted. Perhaps you can relate to this. It's the summer months here on the east coast of Canada, and uh, we've had beautiful weather. And so if you're out in the yard, maybe working hard and getting the grass mowed or uh, doing whatever it is that you do in the garden and this kind of thing, and it's a hot, scorching day, maybe you've got a, a big yard and, uh, man, you're tired. And out comes your son or daughter or friend or spouse uh, with a nice, cold glass of water. And you take that water and you drink it. And all of a sudden, your strength was depleted. And you didn't know how you were going to get to the backyard and do all the rest of the work you had to do. But all of a sudden, that water has now renewed your strength. Now, if I sounded a little disingenuous telling the story, that's because I haven't had to mow grass in probably about five years. Thank God for architects and whoever designed townhouses because I live in one. And I don't have to do yard work. You know, the yard and I, we, we figured out a long time ago that we don't get along. But on renewal, back to the topic at hand, there is one story that you might find more genuine for me. Um, and I will hear the laughs through the camera, I'm sure. But when it comes to renewing library books, I've got a lot of experience with that. In fact, uh, there's often a stack of books around our house. And Diana is very faithful to say, when are these books due? And when do we have to get them back? And so then I'm always... Uh, uh, enjoying the fact that I can log in online and click these buttons and it makes these really cool sound effects and then the books get renewed. Uh, and I often miss the day to renew them and we often end up with many, many fines. And so this past week I was really happy to hear that the library no longer is charging overdue fines. Okay, getting off topic, but we're talking about renewing things. So whether it's the books or it's my strength, until things are depleted, you can't really renew them. And there is a, a, a parallel here in our spiritual walk that, you, that something has to be depleted in order for it to be renewed. Renewing starts with something we have and submitting it to God. That's an aspect of our spiritual walk. Romans 12 once says this, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's an element of risk and renewal in our spiritual walk. And Paul sort of reveals uh, both aspects here. Relationship with Jesus, that's what life in the church is really all about. And it involves an element of risk. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, then you've got to lose your life. There's an element of risk involved. You'll remember the, the parable of the stewards. And Jesus came back, the master came back and was upset for those who did not take risk. Risk is a part of living this life of faith. We are not meant to be known primarily for our story. We're meant to be known for Christ's story, for the story of transformation in our lives. Being in a relationship, though, means risk. Even in our relationships here together with one another, husbands and wives and friends and leadership relationships, if we don't risk, if we don't demonstrate vulnerability, 
We can never build trust. We can never build depth of relationship. In the Bible, it's no different. We see that Peter took risks to bring the gospel uh, to the world and to build the church. Paul took risks in heading to the Gentiles to bring them faith. Stephen took risks. Elijah, here in this text as well, he takes a risk. Paul says, be not conformed to this world. Nonconformity really speaks to us of risk-taking. And it's a risk that we often don't want to take. Not being conformed to this world means that we stand out, that we stick out, that we may not go along with the societal pressures and cultures of the day. Robert Muntz writes this, Believers are no longer to conform themselves to the present age. 1 Peter 1.14 speaks of that. As citizens of heaven, we are to set, out our mind, set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul says that in Colossians 3, 2. This present age, he further writes, is evil. Galatians 1, 4 speaks to that. And it cannot and must not serve as a model for Christian living. Its values and goals are antithetical to growth in holiness. Believers are meant to be salt and light, like Jesus called us to in Matthew 5. Purifying and enlightening the contemporary culture. So what we see there is this idea of nonconformity means that we are to stand out. We are to stand out. We are to be salt and light in this world. But that has an element of risk involved. The other side of this is the renewing of our minds. So we have the non-conformity piece, the risk-taking piece, and then we have this aspect of renewal. And this interesting thing about the word renewal, first we said earlier, you have to be depleted. In order for something to be renewed, it has to be depleted or over or finished with. And it's interesting in the New Testament, this word that is used for renewal only occurs three times, including this time in Romans. Then another place is in Mark 9, where Jesus is transfigured. A powerful thing happens there, right? He goes up the hill, up the mountain with three disciples. And there God speaks and this miraculous transformation happens. Jesus shines with the glory of God. That's one of the other places. And then the next is in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where Paul taught that believers, as they behold the glory of God, they're being transformed into his likeness. All three of these places speak of something really great uh, and miraculous happening. And in all three of these places, the participants are submitted to the will of the Father. Nonconformity to the world and submission, perhaps conformity is even the right word to use to the will of God. Renewal is predicated on the risk of being salt and light. Renewal is predicated on non-conformity and the risk that lies therein. We have become, though, in the church and in the body of Christ, I would suggest to you over the last hundred years, since the 1920s, we spoke about those a few messages ago when we were talking about revival and God moving and the, the beginnings of the Pentecostal movement in those early 1920s, all the way through now, a hundred years later, I believe that uh, we've become adverse to taking risks. We've become risk adverse. 
In fact, some of us would probably say we hope that we're not even asked about our faith. We want to quietly move through life and, and pray for people and, you know, observe our faith and keep it personal. And in so doing, I suggest to you that we are conforming to our culture. We have moved from being a risk-taking movement to being protectionist when it comes to sharing the gospel. Now, that's not a word you often hear and associated with church and ministry and the life of the word, but I believe it speaks to how we are operating as the body of Christ at large in many ways. We're looking after ourselves and we're introspective instead of reaching out and building relationships outside of ourselves and demonstrating the, uh, ourselves uh, as followers of Christ the way Jesus called us to be salt and light. It takes risk. God will renew our strength to be sure, but it has to be depleted first. The implication is that if we're not taking risks, if we're not being stretched and we're not being salt and light out there in our communities, if we're not being stretched in our faith because we're not sharing it, then how can we be renewed or how can we even perceive the need to be renewed? If something is not depleted, how can it be replenished? If my cup is, is running over, how can it be filled with more? Sometimes I think we look at ourselves as the body of Christ and we misunderstand. We think, renewal? Why do I need renewal? I, I'm full. Isn't it great that I'm full, that things are good, that I'm overflowing with strength? And look at how, church the, how full the church is or how, uh, how wonderful things seem to be going. And I, again, would suggest to you kindly today, but with confidence, that the metrics that we use sometimes are misguided and they lead us to a false sense of accomplishment and independence because what they really speak to is the fact that we are not depleting our resources for the kingdom. We're not taking risks. Our tendency is to keep resources at a human level for ourselves. And this is where we come to the story of Obadiah and Elijah. Obadiah and Elijah back in 1 Kings 18. Now what was happening in the book of Kings historically um, is, is really sad. The, the, the kingdom of God was split in two. Um, this follows the time of David and Solomon, his son, and things had been good, but then Solomon decides to, to chase after other gods and begins to worship other gods. And so a season of darkness comes upon uh, God's people and the kingdom breaks into two and uh, all kinds of negative things are happening. And right now in this chapter, there's a famine throughout the land, a severe famine. And so the overarching theme there is about famine and there's a need for rain and, and that's happening. But I want us to focus on Obadiah and Elijah and, and sort of com contrast um, and compare how these two men operated. Both who loved God, of course. You see, Elijah comes to Obadiah and says, listen, I want you to go tell Ahab, the king, that I'm here. And Obadiah doesn't want to do that. Now, you got to recognize Elijah is a prophet of God. So Elijah is basically speaking the word of God. And so Obadiah's disobedience there is as if he's disobeying God. Elijah says, hey, listen, go tell him about me. And Obadiah is fearful for his own life. And he says, wait, wait, wait a second. Haven't you heard what I did? You know, I hid the prophets of God from Jezebel so she couldn't kill them. Jezebel was Ahab's wife and she killed all the prophets of God that she knew of. But Obadiah had kept a few, a hundred, hidden in caves and made sure that they were fed and looked after. Amazing thing. 
The Bible says he feared the Lord. But here in this moment, when God comes to him through Elijah to say, will you do this for me? His first reaction is, uh, well, I, I don't know that I can do that. You know, he was kind of caught between two worlds, serving the king, um, but serving God, you know? Have we ever felt that way? Conforming to what the king might want. Who's the king in your life and mine? Is it the culture? Is it our family? Is it our co-workers? Is it our friends? Or is it ultimately God the Father and his will for our lives? So you have Obadiah sort of skating with the puck and then his defense is, well, well, Elijah, look at the things that I've done. You know, but for me, standing up, these prophets wouldn't even exist. The first thing to point out here is that Elijah immediately obeys God when God gives him a word and tells him to go and see Ahab. But Obadiah takes some convincing you know, Paul says that the renewal of our mind, we need to continually be renewed in our mind. Um, and, and Obadiah here, instead of sort of being progressive in that way, he's celebrating old experiences. Look at what I did. God, I don't believe today, is so much interested in what we have done before. He's interested in what we are going to do now in this present moment. There is something he has for you and I to do, to, to call other people into relationship with him, to love on somebody, to bring someone prayer or a prophetic word. There is something to be done now. And sometimes what needs to be done now is denied by the things that we have done previously because we re rely on and lean upon those old successes. Elijah risks everything. You see, Obadiah protected these prophets. There were a hundred of them. And what ultimately happens is Obadiah eventually says, yes, okay, I'll go. And he goes to Ahab. And then Ahab and Elijah, as you might know, have this showdown with the different groups of prophets. And what Elijah does here is he risks all the prophets that are left, 100 of them. The odds were very much stacked against him. I believe that it was over 700 prophets or something like that that were there advocating for Ahab and Baal and all of this. And Elijah has just this 100. And surely if God didn't answer, those 100 prophets would have been slain. Elijah risked everything. I can only imagine a uh, Obadiah in that moment. You're going to risk all of these prophets that I worked so hard to protect. Sounds a little bit familiar in the body of Christ at large, perhaps even in our own local church, that sometimes all the things that we have done in the past, we want to protect those things. We don't want to risk those things. We've become risk adverse and God is asking us to take steps forward. We need to be risk takers. We need to be risk takers. And in so doing, Elijah depletes himself. Read the text, take a moment today or tomorrow and, and read through the story and you'll see how he built up an altar and, and they poured water on it and Elijah was leading and, and giving of himself all day long in this showdown. And God does answer. But he answers because Elijah depleted himself, gave of himself, ministered that day, stood up and declared the word of the Lord. And then... He needed to be renewed. 1 Kings 19 talks to us about how Elijah ran away. So he has this discussion with Obadiah. The king and him meet. They have this showdown. Prophets of Baal 
do their thing. Their God doesn't answer. God who is the God, real God answers by fire. It's an amazing victory for the Lord. It's an amazing demonstration of nonconformity. It's an amazing demonstration that God is God. It's salt and light if there ever was. And then very quickly, Elijah's fearful and he's on the run. It speaks to us of being depleted. Sometimes I've heard this preached in a somewhat negative way. Like, how can you all of a sudden have this great victory and then be fearful? Wow, I, I sure know how you can. I mean, there have been moments of victory in my life where immediately after almost, I'm worried, I'm concerned, or I'm fearful, or maybe I'm just down. Some scholars believe that Elijah's behavior here um, demonstrated a, a level of depression. Have you ever felt that way? See, the story gives us hope. 1 Kings 19, 5 says this, And he lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel of the Lord touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank, and then he laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and drank and went in that strength for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. When we've given of ourselves, when we have given ourselves in the efforts to not conform and to share God's love with people and to take those risks. And sometimes they can be small risks that maybe seem small, but stepping out with, um, you know, a loved one and sharing, you know, our faith. Perhaps the Holy Spirit uh, laying on uh, some thoughts and prayers for a neighbor and you go and share that. That's, that's a risk. Maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe it's in the business realm or some other realm that God is leading and guiding and you take risk and that's immediately followed by self-doubt tiredness sometimes we think that something is wrong I don't know that something was really wrong here with Elijah I think what happens here is he demonstrates the limitations of our humanity there are these ups and downs thank God that we can be renewed Thank God that we can be renewed in our mind, in our body. And that's what I believe is happening here. Elijah gave of himself, depleted himself of his strength. And now he's saying, God, I, I, I don't have it in me to do what's next. And the Lord very gently comes through his angel and strengthens Elijah. That strength today is available to you and to me. Just as we begin to wind down this message and want to think about really what is at the core of what we're saying today. Well, fundamentally in this passage that we read about when it what pertains to Paul and then this passage that we've read about that pertains to Elijah and Obadiah, the fundamental issue in the story is how is God going to be proved? In the case of Paul, we have the language of salt and light that Jesus gave us in the Old Testament. This idea of God being proved, answering by fire. That's the central issue. And on that issue, we see that Elijah took the risk. And then God was faithful 
to renew him. Elijah took the risk and God was faithful to renew him. This is so critically important because if you read ahead, uh, later on in the book, uh, books of First and Second Kings, you'll, you'll see that things don't go well. Things don't go well. And there is a remnant established of people who love the Lord. But for Elijah's work here and risk-taking and proving of God and Obadiah's work even of sustaining those prophets, the word of the Lord would have grown silent in that day. The same is true of, of us now. If we conform in every way to our culture and to society, what word of the Lord is going to be left in our communities, in our families? That's really what's at stake here today. Nonconformity takes strength and it takes risk and it depletes us, but God is faithful to renew us when we seek his face. So today, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this message, just as the band begins to prepare to come on back, and I want you just to close your eyes with me and just try to get a still moment. I know there might be distractions around and different things happening, but just try to get yourself a little still and quiet. And I just want you to take a few moments and think about the things we've talked about today. Risk and renewal. Maybe today you don't sense the need for any kind of renewal. I'm doing pretty good. I think things are going pretty well. Can I ask you to think about whether or not you've grown to be risk adverse. Perhaps you don't perceive that there's a need for renewal because you're not taking any risks for the kingdom. Maybe today uh, you've stumbled into this video and uh, you don't really know too much about Jesus Christ and really your entire life is in need of renewal. Well, there's hope for you today in him. Simply by praying this very simple prayer, dear Jesus, Today I recognize that I don't know God through you. I recognize that I'm a sinner and I want to know you, Jesus. Come and live in my life. Come and renew my heart and soul. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. By praying that prayer or a simple prayer like that, we believe that you've become born again, that you have been renewed. The ultimate renewal has happened in your life. There's a third group though today that I wanna pray for and I want um, you to contemplate about something, which is this. Perhaps you're just feeling tired out today. Perhaps you have shared your faith. Perhaps you've encountered disappointment in uh, seeking and chasing down the call of God for your life. If that's you today, there is renewal for you as well. Jesus wants to touch your life. Just as you sit there, maybe in the stillness or the chaos of home, as we close today, I want to uh, pray a scripture over you and myself today. And it comes to us from Isaiah 40. So again, if you'll just close your eyes with me and still your heart, hear the words of the Lord. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. 
He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths, young people, will faint and be weary, and young men and women shall fall exhausted, depleted, used up. But they who wait for the Lord, who hope in him, who wait expectantly, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen to me in the silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. God bless you today.